Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, Brittany and I are going to be chatting all things Halloween, Halloween candy, Halloween candy guilt, the narrative around Halloween candy, all the things. So, Brittany, I just ate Sour Patch Kids and they are very, very good. And I like forgot how much I love them. You know, those candies where you're just like, you never really, I don't know. I guess I'm always just like a chocolate person. So Sour Patch Candies are like never my thing, but they were in the house and I was like, oh my gosh, wait, these are actually really good. Sometimes I actually really crave sour and like sweet. Yeah. So I love like the green Sour Patch. Sour, sweet, gone. Yeah, so good. But I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this because I find that Halloween, you know, even growing up, and we can definitely explain like our own experiences with Halloween, but I remember as a kid, I always put Halloween candy on this pedestal. It was like the one day I was able to eat whatever I wanted. I could eat all the candy. And we're definitely going to talk about why this can be a problematic approach when it comes to children and Halloween candy, obviously in addition to ourselves as adults. But I want to first start with why is there so much fear around Halloween candy? I feel like it is just what you were just saying, how we put it like it's your one day that you're allowed to eat it, quote unquote. And you know that if that is the reason that you're like allowing yourself to have it is because it's one day it's, it's going to feel out of control. And then you're automatically getting this fear and guilt from it. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, that was so much. Now I have to, you know, cleanse the next week or whatever. So I feel like because there's so much fear, because it's on such a pedestal, we're like, okay, have to get it all in. And then there's a ton of, you know, you feel like crap because you're eating a ton of candy. And also you feel like you can never have it any other time. So it leads you to this unhealthy relationship with food and wanting to eat all the candy until you feel sick. Right. And I almost think it reinforces this idea like, oh, see, I can't be trusted around candy Mm. because when candy is around, I'm just going to eat it. When really, if you just always had candy around, there wouldn't be such a rush to eat it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also why, again, going back to this fear around Halloween candy, if there are certain foods that you never keep in the house and all of a sudden you keep them in the house, you could feel really out of control around those foods. And it's not due to lack of willpower. Mm -hmm. It's not due because you're addicted to candy or certain foods. It really has to do with the fact that we want what we can have. Mm -hmm. And if we tell ourselves we can't eat something or we don't allow ourselves to buy certain foods, it will just make us want it even more. Totally. And there's actually like biological piece with that also with dopamine, right? So when you restrict a certain food, typically sugar, and you then allow it one day after restricting it, your brain actually has a bigger surge of dopamine than when you're just normal, when you just like have 
have some sugar regularly. So it does, it might actually feel like you are addicted to it, which we have a whole other episode on that if you're interested in that. But the actual biological processes, there's so many other things that are involved in addiction and food is not one of those things. Right. And I'm curious, like that kind of leads us into this next topic of restriction and binging Mm -hmm. and why when we restrict certain foods, we tend to feel more out of control around those foods or we even tend to binge on some of those foods. So I'm curious, like if this has ever been your experience in particular with Halloween candy. Yes. So it's interesting because Halloween I don't even know what year it was. I was a sophomore year in college. I was a sophomore in college. And I, I just remember it being the very beginning of like kind of my obsession with food and health and exercise, the beginning of my orthorexia essentially. And it was the time that I had been starting to really get into exercise as a means of like, okay, this is good for my mental health. And I really enjoy this, but it became obsessive. And then it started to be like, okay, what can we cut out this month? Let's, let's do, let's do a challenge every month, right? So it was kind of phrased in the way of like, this is going to be healthy for us. Let's do a challenge rather than like, let's cut these foods out. So one month it was dairy. And then the next month it was candy because it was Halloween. And my roommate and I at the time thought it was like the best idea ever. We're like, oh my gosh, it's Halloween. Like we should just cut out sugar so that we don't eat the Halloween candy because it's so bad, right? And you don't even have the option to eat it. No. It's a challenge and you're not going to have it. Right. Exactly. So I just remember this being my ultimate breaking point in my orthorexia because I literally remember the month of October, like I wouldn't even eat something down to like a bagel. That's like, you know, the yeast grows the sugar or whatever that process is. Like I wouldn't even eat a bagel. And I just remember, I don't know, maybe it was like a week or two in and my friend brought over brownies for whatever reason. I don't even know why. And just like the smell of like fresh baked brownies sent me into a freaking panic attack because I wanted one so bad. So this whole, you know, my whole October that year was just full of anxiety around mostly sugar because I had restricted myself from it and I just wanted it so freaking badly. And if I just allowed myself to have it, things would have gone very differently. And that's when I really started to have like panic attacks around food. And it was my mom, which I'm very grateful for, who realized and she, when I called her like crying one day, because I was trying to make cauliflower bread in the oven uh, because I didn't want to eat regular bread. And I was trying to make bread out of cauliflower. And I just like started having a panic attack, call her crying. She's like, what's up? I'm like, I literally don't know. And she was like, do you think this is just too much pressure to like be cutting out sugar? And I was like, oh, like I didn't even realize it. Like I was just like, oh, this is healthy, you know? So the fact that she even realized it, I think was really, really helpful to me. And from that point on, I was like, I can't do this. I will do anything. Cause originally when I was on this quote unquote health journey was to simmer down my anxiety. And when I realized that it wasn't helping to cut out sugar, I, it was probably easier than it is for most people for me, because I was like, I will do anything to not have anxiety. I will eat all the sugar in the world. I will give up these restrictions. So, and that, I feel like that's 
aligns with like a lot of different things. If mm-hmm. someone suffers from like chronic disease, chronic yes. illness, like they will do anything if somebody tells them that it's going to help. Mm-hmm. But going back to her mom, it sounds like she was really supportive and non-judgmental and also yeah. wasn't telling you to stop, but more so like saying in a really nice way right. that felt supportive. Right. Like it's so important. Yeah. Which is really interesting because I'm like, where the heck did you learn that? Like, how did right. you? And she right. was like, I mean, I honestly didn't even think it was a bad thing. I, it was yeah. just a suggestion. So it's really interesting how she was able to pick up on it. And here I am today. What about you? You know, this one story I'm going to tell, it doesn't have to do so much with Halloween, but it's similar in the sense that during my most disordered time in college, I did not eat any sweets for Mm -hmm. around six months. Mm -hmm. And it was actually easier in college to not have sweets simply because I just wasn't really around them. Mm -hmm. But I came home for Yom Kippur, which is like a Jewish holiday where you fast and then feast. I I don't even think I fasted, to be honest, but all of a sudden at my dad's house, there was a massive dessert room. Like the room was just for dessert. And I had one of like the most intense binges of my entire life. So not only did I have plates and plates and plates of dessert, but I felt physically sick mm. for like three or four days afterwards, like to the point where it hurt to like walk because I was wow. so full. Yeah. And again, it's because I had restricted myself for, you know, at least six months. And then the second I was exposed to it, I smelled it, I tasted it. All of a sudden, I just felt completely out of control. Mm-hmm. And the amount of shame and guilt I felt too around that was really strong. But, you know, now if I walk into a dessert room, I'm like, oh, like what looks good? And I have not felt that way in so long in the sense that I felt like I had to try every single thing because I know that I can always, you know, get more any other day if I wanted to. Totally. And I think that, I mean, it's not just Halloween. I think it's holidays in general, right? It's almost this like rite of passage. Okay. I'm going to allow myself to have this now and then I'll be better tomorrow. Like anything of, I just remember my mom sending me like chocolates and things when I was in college on Valentine's day. And then it got to a point where she was like, Oh, like, I know you don't want these. Like I won't send them like so sad. She was making me these really cute little gift baskets. And I was like, don't put quote unquote bad food in them, which now she's like, okay, so I can send this kind of stuff now. I'm like, yes, but it's crazy how, you know, just the culture around holidays in general and diet culture seeps into literally everything. And even more so as we go into this holiday season, you know, you're going to hear messages about diet culture all the time about how to quote unquote control yourself. Yeah. And, you know, even examples of how I've seen diet culture show up in my own Halloween experiences, I would buy candy that I didn't like. So I would only buy the flavors that I wouldn't be interested in eating. And again, like that is diet culture. And it's Mm -hmm. this idea like, okay, like I can't buy things that I would actually enjoy. And I was saying this to Lauren right before we recorded the episode, but during the peak of my healthism and obsession with health and wellness when I was in graduate school, I actually went and bought Clementine's popcorn and Amy's graham cracker snacks as a quest to be healthier and serve healthier options to kids. Yep. And I feel really badly now because <laughs> looking back, parents would look at it, they're like, oh, look, like she's serving healthy snacks. And it was almost me reinforcing this idea that candy is bad, snacks are mm-hmm. good. Um, oh, I mean, healthy snacks were good. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I when I was younger, 
I actually liked when people gave out toys or pennies or something yeah. a little bit different mm-hmm. just because I, I was getting so much candy. Right. I know. It's so true. I, what did they used to give those, um, UNICEF boxes? Did you get those ever? No. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. We always had little, like cute little, they looked like little lunch boxes, the UNICEF boxes. And then you had yes. to like collect. Is, by the way, I feel like we should have started with this, but what is your, your favorite Okay. So it's funny because when I was younger and when I was like trick or treating, like Butterfingers were like my favorite thing. And now they're like not my thing at all. I love anything chocolate. So like M&Ms specifically, not peanut M&Ms, but the peanut butter M&Ms. Those are so good. And then Reese's, you know, anything peanut butter and chocolate. And then dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Fan. Depends on the brand. Sometimes I like the dark chocolate better depending on the brand because the milk yeah. chocolate tastes like fake to me sometimes. Yeah. Like I like that wholesome chocolate taste. So yeah, I'll actually, do either. I like dark chocolate a lot. I yeah. would say my favorite would be some type of like Reese's Pieces. I love mm. like a chocolate peanut butter combo. And mm. I also love Sour Patch Kids. Yes. Yes. Something like sour and sweet mm-hmm. is, is really good. Yeah, I, uh, with the chocolate and peanut butter, you will never go wrong. No, definitely not. <laughs> Especially when they're the full, like, you know how on holidays Reese's does like the pumpkin ones or the Christmas tree shape ones and they just have so much more peanut butter in them. Right. So good. Those are the best. Yeah. So good. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is just children in general and Halloween candy. So I think that there are a lot of parents who have almost been brainwashed. And I say brainwashed in like a really nice way, not in like a culty way, but you know, when you're told by doctors and our culture and other parents, like, oh, like don't give your kids too much candy. Mm-hmm. And so again, there becomes this pressure on parents to only allow their kids to have like some candy. And the reason this is so problematic is you know, there has been really good empirical research that dates back to the 1980s that actually demonstrates that kids who are restricted around treat foods often just want to eat them more. So I feel like this is a really important thing to mention because if kids feel like they have to earn their their candy by eating, you know, vegetables or they have to earn their candy by finishing their dinner, it's putting candy on a pedestal where what we want is we want to neutralize candy. Mm -hmm. So candy isn't any more important on Halloween as it is on March 8th. Right. So it's, it has the same level of importance. Yes, that is so true. And I've even seen people, obviously I'm not in like pediatric nutrition or anything, but some people who are, I have even seen them serve like candy with dinner, like as almost like as a food component, not a component, just like another component of the meal because it does it neutralizes it. It's not like, oh, if you finish your plate, you get to have candy after dinner. You know, it's like you can touch it or you don't have to, but it's there. And, you know, I think a lot of people, whenever I mention that, they think I'm absolutely insane. You can't put candy on a dinner plate, but it will be really interesting to see how those children grow up versus others. Totally. And we want to mention like kids are, we're all born intuitive eaters. Yeah. And so if we allow kids to eat intuitively, mm-hmm. 
they can really develop a healthier relationship with food. Totally. And so it's so important to give them the permission to eat foods that they want. And, you know, maybe some days they're going to eat a lot of candy and then other days they may not want any candy mm-hmm. at all. And so giving them that permission is so helpful when trying to neutralize all foods, including candy. Yes. And it's, it's wild how even the smallest of messages can get into our heads as kids. Like, you know, you have to eat your vegetables or at least take two more bites. And it's like, I don't want two more bites. So, uh, honoring that and leaning into and letting them make those choices for themselves because their bodies do know what they need. And I'm, I mean, I've, never been a mom, but I assume that it provokes a lot of anxiety. I I know people where they ask questions and they're like, well, she's not eating. What do I do? And it, it can provoke anxiety, but you really have to lean into it and trust, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, if they haven't eaten three days, then there's, you know, you have to take action, but I'm just keeping that in mind that they do have those body signals just as we do. And uh, and when we trust our kids, they learn to trust themselves. Yes. And so I think oftentimes when, you know, when we're told by parents or by family or doctors that we can't be trusted and we only should be eating a certain amount of food and, you know, we shouldn't have a second snack if we feel hungry. Mm -hmm. All that does is erode any type of self-trust. Yep. And like body connection, totally giving them that permission and getting curious with them, like maybe asking your child, you know, what's your favorite candy? Like, Mm -hmm. what about this candy do you like? Like, what about the flavor do you like? Mm -hmm. What's the texture like? Like really kind of getting to the mindful eating aspect of it as well. Mm -hmm. So your kid knows like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me eating this candy. Yeah. It's just like any other food that I have on my plate. Yeah. I also have seen, again, these like pediatric dietitians that I follow. It's interesting to see them basically just say, you know, don't like, don't comment. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you think about it? You know, like the texture and all of that kind of stuff I think is really important because it leads into that mindful eating experience and it lets them figure out if they like it or not for themselves. Right. And I like this idea of division and responsibility. I actually think that was like the one concept I learned in graduate school that I don't want to say mimics intuitive eating, but that is similar in the sense that it's the parent's um, job to offer the food and to provide the food, but it's the child's job to actually choose how much of the food they want and what they want to eat. Mm -hmm. And again, giving that responsibility to your child will just only make them trust themselves more. And that's really what we want at the end of the day. 100%. So in terms of takeaways, you know, as far as like, what are some actionable steps people can take if they're fearing Halloween candy? We always mm-hmm. want to leave you with some like actionable tips. Yes. You're understanding, you know, why there's fear around Halloween candy, why it can lead to restricting and binging, how diet culture shows up during the holidays, especially, you know, Halloween. But what are some things that you can do leading up to Halloween that might make you feel more neutral around food? Yes, I love that. So obviously what we were discussing this whole time is neutralizing candy, right? So maybe it's like you just start allowing those foods in the house. It's very normal to feel out of control around them at first. But again, leaning into that self-trust and trusting that that feeling will go away as long as you continue to try and keep that neutral mindset around the food. And one of my favorite things too is to lean in. This is more so like during 
like Halloween, lean into how is this adding to my experience? So a lot of times I will, even I still ask myself these questions. Like if after work, I'm like, I just want a bowl of ice cream. Totally okay if I just want a bowl of ice cream, but is that what I really need right now? Is it, you know, because I'm bored? Is it because I'm masking an emotion? Which again, those things, it's totally okay to eat for those reasons. But is there something else that might heal that emotion underneath or the root of it, right? So for example, I was just eating those Sour Patch Kids and I was like, am I just doing this because they're here? Because they were out on the table. And I was like, actually, no, this is like really, I mean, I was, we're about to record the episode. I'm like, it'll be great to get a nice little burst of energy. And these are actually really, I'm really enjoying these and, and they're bringing me joy right now. So if they're, n- if you're just like, you find yourself eating all of this Halloween candy, just take a step back and be like, how is this adding to my life right now? How is this adding to my experience? Maybe you're eating it with your niece or you're, you know, enjoying candy with your friends or something like that. And it's really adding to your experience. I think that's always a, a really good in the moment kind of thing or just take a step back. I love that. Like how is this, you know, adding to my experience? Mm -hmm. I also want to bring up this idea of habituation. Mm. So habituation is the diminishing of psychological or sorry, or of a physiological or emotional response to a frequently repeated stimulus. So what this means is, and this goes back to what you were saying, Lauren, when we have access to candy over time, we're going to just be bored of it. Mm -hmm. And some analogies that I've heard with habituation is Thanksgiving, like that mm-hmm. first Thanksgiving dinner, you're so excited. You might eat way past comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't had this food in a while. By day four of leftovers, you're like, I cannot look at stuffing. Mm-hmm. I am so over this meal. Yes. Another analogy I like that people have used is saying, I love you. Like the first time. Yeah. Says, I love you. You're like, head is exploding. Yeah. Literally seeing like fireworks explode in front of you, and by like year three or like year two or even like a few months, <laughs> in, like, well, that's nice. Like that, yeah. I love you too, but it doesn't have like that same like like wow impact as it once did. Totally, that is such a. I've never heard that analogy. That's really good. I, I, that could be like a little offensive. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a reality check. Shit. (laughs) I mean, it's also so another concept I actually really like is called flavor chasing. So those initial bites of candy or whatever it is, if it's really, really good and you haven't had it in a while, that initial like we were talking about with the dopamine, that initial surge of dopamine, that initial bite that tastes really, really good. Your brain is then chasing, trying to get that sensation again of like that. Oh my gosh, that boost of dopamine. That was so delicious. So that's also an an interesting concept to just kind of keep in your mind. Like, okay, I'm just chasing something that it's not going to come. I haven't had this in a while. It's okay to continue to enjoy it, but what is it doing for me at this point? Is it going to make me not feel great after? Um, is it still adding to my experience or, you know, where are we here? Right. Yeah, it's great. I think another kind of, I don't want to say tip, but more so a thought that I have to take away is Mm -hmm. recognizing that candy is not there to add nutrition to your diet. It is there for enjoyment and satisfaction. Yes. I am sure what we both did, and I know I've heard this, you know, I think it was a cauliflower bread. When you try to make 
certain foods like healthy or like healthify certain foods. But really, like those foods, I'm not having Sour Patch Kids to like add to my fiber right. needs for the day. Like, yeah. Sure, I'm getting adequate like omega threes and protein. I'm eating candy or Sour Patch because it really is satisfying and enjoyable. So just recognizing the fact that candy, you can have certain foods like candy, cupcakes, etc., that is not there to enhance your nutrition. It's really there to enhance your satisfaction and enjoyment. Yes, 100%. I think so many times we're like, well, what's the point of eating this if it's just bad for me, right? Well, it adds to your life in so many other ways. I was even just, I forget who I was watching, but somebody had like a continuous glucose monitor, monitor on and she was talking about how, and she was showing like the levels of her blood glucose levels. And she was like, oh yeah. So wow. It went, it skyrocketed right here. It wasn't anything I ate. I was feeling really stressed out in that moment. So stress actually increases your blood sugar. So you stressing about the food is, I mean, I personally would rather have candy to increase my blood sugar than be stressed out about eating it, you know? Yeah. So that's really and interesting. This also too. goes with like this idea of shame and guilt. Yes. Let's say you find yourself having more Halloween candy than you anticipated. Maybe you feel full. Maybe you don't feel great. You want to take a nap. Having that self-compassion for yourself and recognizing like you're human. It's okay if you overdid on Halloween yeah. candy. And also it makes sense if you haven't allowed yourself candy in like months or years for some people. Right. So just giving yourself that grace, that self-compassion, and not judging yourself if you ate a little bit past comfort. Yeah, I also want to point out, I like that argument of like, you know, the cavemen didn't have candy and they survived without it. Like we're not meant to digest sugar and whatnot. It's like, that is not realistic. This is the world we are living in. It's here for our enjoyment. If you want to restrict yourself from it and drive yourself crazy, go for it. I wouldn't advise it, go for it. But this is our current world and this is the resources we have available. This is the things that we can enjoy if we choose to. Like, we are not cavemen. Wait, also, I I just Googled the average caveman lived to be. And (laughs) do you know what age the average caveman lived to be? What? Just guess. 35? 25. Wow. Right. So, like, we can't compare ourselves to cavemen, which is why the whole paleo thing, which is a whole other episode, is so funny to me because I'm like, you're comparing us to people who live to age 25. Right. Like, I don't have access to the things that we have access to. Exactly. It makes absolutely no sense. Like, I get the whole idea of like, you know, eat whole foods. That's great. Prioritize those. But it doesn't mean that you can't have other foods that bring you enjoyment and that are delicious. Yes. Any other like tips or, you know, any other thoughts you have around Halloween, Halloween candy? I mean, I guess the the other thing that is important to note is that you, like you said, have grace with yourself, give yourself space to enjoy these things. But it is a reality that like for me personally, candy isn't usually like my first choice for like desserts and stuff. I'd rather have like ice cream or like, you know, hot chocolate or something like that. So candy is not usually something that actually is very like a frequent in our house and not for any form of restriction, but it's really likely that in October you're going to have more candy in your house, whether you, you know, were restricting it or not. So allowing yourself, I think, to have it rather than just like, okay, I have to wait to Halloween to have this candy, like, you know, buy, buy the candy at the store on October 1st when they start 
you know, having the, the pumpkin Reese's and whatnot, like don't make, don't put a timeline on this because that's ultimately that type A-ism, that perfectionism of like, okay, I'm only going to be allowed to eat candy from here to here is what is ultimately going to lead you to binging on it, not feeling good about it, feeling the guilt, et cetera. And I think going along with like the timeline, also not putting a, like an amount that you only to certain X pieces, because the truth is like, maybe one day you want more than several pieces. Maybe other days you don't want any at all. So I think again, giving yourself the permission to buy candy, like you said, Lauren, on Mm -hmm. October 1st, keeping candy after 30, the 31st of October, buying candy that you actually like. Yeah. And also not limiting yourself on the quantity and really use that moment to like check in with yourself and figure out how does my body feel? Mm-hmm. Do I want another piece? Like, do I feel satisfied with what I already had rather than judge yourself for like, oh, like why do I want more? Yes. Yes. And it, and reminding yourself again, to be gentle. If you have been restricting it for a while, you will probably want more than you think is acceptable, quote unquote, and just lean into that and allow yourself to, to have space around that. Yes. Are you doing anything for Halloween? Well, should I share my Halloween costume? Yeah. I mean, this will air before the 31st, so it's fine. Um, so I'm actually going to be, I don't really know what it, I mean, I guess I'm basically wrapping myself in, I'm making a dress out of Trader Joe's bags. Fine. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I guess I'm a Trader Joe's Is bag. Dress up with you so I'm either going to try and make him like a suit jacket out of the bags, or he's going to do a like Hawaiian shirt, like how they wear with like a red name tag and like, that's really cute. you know, khakis or something like that. And I'll be his bag. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what about you? We have a Halloween party and I don't have a costume yet. I spent like 45 minutes on the computer Googling different dynamic duos and all I came up with was Gladiator and Roaring Twenties. So <laughs> honestly, probably the two most generic costumes that one could think of. Oh my gosh. So if you're listening to this and you have interesting ideas for a dynamic duo, let us know. I would love to hear some ideas. <laughs> oh, I love it. So we hope you guys have a happy Halloween and we hope that this episode was helpful. And just remember, if you're feeling stressed around Halloween candy, you're not alone, but just know that, you know, there's another way and there can be a time where you don't have to feel stressed around Halloween candy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.